the Neutral Zone, a Star Trek podcast by ladies where we talk about Star Trek loudly and at great length. I'm your host, Kareen, joined as ever by Kim. Hello. And Ari. Hello. And today, my God, we can sense the end. There is a <laughs> sense of an ending here. We're here to talk about Season 3, Episode 21, Cloudminders, or as I like to call it, A Tale of Two Shitty Cities. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. This is about slavery, right? This is about slavery and civil rights. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 It's about, yeah. Cl- it's about classism. It's about... Communism, um, workers' rights, but it's definitely mainly about it's civil about the civil rights, rights movement. Yeah, yes. you can read about the original treatment of what this was on Memory Alpha. Um, it's a little bit more pointed. I want to go with. They had um, within the what are they called? The troglodytes. The troglodytes. Good enough. Um, two leaders competing. One of them was supposed to be based on like a Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Figure. There's and quite the, a lot of uh, King-esque yes. uh, dialogue in this episode. And the other one that was going to be based on, you know, someone slightly more revolutionary. Uh, I'm, I'm actually kind of happy where they landed. Yeah, I think it came out quite nicely balanced and very Star Trek-y, which made me happy. The, yeah, this episode, especially when we compare it with, like, last week's hippie nightmare. Oh, God. The messaging... I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, The messaging true. that they went for, like, they very clearly had, like, this is an issue we're going to talk about, that we have a point of view... And they, like, took a stance and it felt very clear and, like, you understood what they were going for as opposed to, like, here's, let's just throw some general hippie issues at you. Yeah. This not only pointedly talked about specific issues, but also talked about, like, there was almost, like, proto-intersectionality going on in this episode. Like, it was obviously about race and slavery, but it was also about class and it was also about, you know, socialism. Mm-hmm. 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 And, and, yeah, it was pretty great. Season three always gets a lot of slack. Or a lot of flack. slag and flack. We're going to go with sure. sl- flack. <laughs> about not being as good as the other seasons. But I would argue that there's a lot more social commentary in yeah. season season three. And it's a lot more progressive than the first well, two. Also, like, let's remember this is near the end of the last season of Star Trek when they knew they were on their way out. So yeah. basic, there's a lot of like flipping off the camera. Like, but Fred, Fred, Fred Friedberg, mm-hmm. anyways, the, the producer who was brought in for season three, everyone always kind of looks down their nose at him like, oh, you ruined Trek, you didn't understand it. But I would argue that we've seen some of the best episodes. Tits and boobs guy? Yeah, tits and boobs. Okay. Tits and boobs brought it. Space, space tits. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's interesting with season three because you're right, there is definitely a lot more... Um, pointed pointed social messaging kind of stuff mm-hmm. but we also have some of the like grossest kirk episodes where he is being like gross about women and like simply do not understand and, what you're like, talking about and you have more like of the this is where kirk i think also pick really picked up the reputation for like the babe of the week type thing because you didn't see that in the past seasons the way you do in this season there have been some egregious episodes in all seasons. I think this episode, this season... Robot Girlfriend is the one I'm going to throw out as being the worst. Which one? Oh, shit. There's but, at least two. But, like, in the first two seasons, we don't see, like, Kirk blatantly sleeping with people and, like, falling in love We've with We've only them. actually seen that happen once. Twice. Twice. Both in this season. Yeah. And you don't see him... He doesn't have, people. like... He doesn't have, like, oh, I just met you. Let's run away together. Romances in the crazy. first two seasons. <laughs> I just met Princess you. Princess Tantrum. Who's the other one? Uh, he slept with the one who had the bracelet that could the control the super, universe. Right. Super fast girl. And he super slept with her just to, like, win her over. Yeah. Which yeah. I was like, 
dang, Kirk. But, yeah. like, honestly, that's two in the entire series. I don't think it happens in the next three episodes, either. I, I would also say that uh, Vala, Vanna, Vanna White, mm-hmm. Vanna. am I close enough? Vanna. Vanna White is one of the strongest female characters yeah. we have oh, had in the she's... entire run of this episode. She's fabulous. Yeah. She's great. And I don't agree with everything that she does. No, there are definitely is... times when I wanted to reach into the screen. But she has written so consistently. Yeah. And she like never comes off as hysterical. No. Or stupid. Or yeah. overcome by lust for a man. No. No, I yeah. really liked her. She gets a You know ton what else happened in this episode that I don't remember happening before? Both Kirk and Spock have different ladies interested in them. Except I don't think Vanna's really interested in Kirk so much as like, mm, yeah, I do him. I don't. But only in passing. I don't. They're, the only like pseudo-sexual thing is when he's wrestling her in the yeah. bed, which was yes. like, I think she's at least, she's amused then? by him. But it's not like, Usually you get everyone interested in one or the other of them if Spock gets any attention at all. It was quite She was not treated in an overly sexualized no. manner. Of course, no. this is Star Trek, so... I mean, although we had uh, Droxine to be infantilized, so maybe they used up all of their energies Let's on that. I'll talk about her for a long time! <laughs> I am fascinated... She very much came out as, like, the Southern Plantation Belle. Oh, yes, exactly. 100%. Yeah. She was the daughter of the plantation owner who has known one life and one mm-hmm. way to live, and by the end of it, maybe kind of has her eyes opened a little bit to little how bit. her world is really shitty, mm-hmm. and her life is full of privilege. White protagonist eyes open, problem solved. But... I liked that at the beginning, we are supposed to see her as the protagonist, like, as... A sympathetic character. Like, oh, yes. Like, poor her, and she's very charming, she's very witty, and what's interesting about her is that she's not interested in Kirk. Yeah. Even though her dad's like, Kirk, eh? And she's like, no, no, thank you. Oh, well, no. She's interested in Spock, and Spock is interested in her, even though she looks like she is 12 years old. I think she is supposed to be very old. Yeah, which makes it even grosser. The thing is, I think the actress was even channeling that specifically, like plantation it felt daughter. Like it, yeah, yeah even it, yes, even the way yes. she delivers her lines, that sort of like back of the throat airy delivery, like, oh well, how could anything ever be different? She her cadence and delivery—it's everything but the actual it accent. It was either Pride and Prejudice that they were going. It felt like a, a Georgia hair novel yeah. Yeah. very much yeah um and that it was all just japes and we're all so charming and oh there's two handsome gentlemen that have just popped yeah. down to my planet it's like upstairs we have a 60s madcap film downstairs we have civil rights flick but it's very interesting that we are supposed to find her charming and then over the episode there's a switch where it's like oh no you're actually she's a child a horrible gross like you're full of tar inside yeah you're you're your thoughts have poisoned our view of you as this charming, yeah. beautiful object. Yes. Your thoughts have made you ugly. And Spock, like, turns on her on a dime. Oh, yeah. But I thought that was great. I liked that. That is exactly how good people should react when people But again, like, it's, it's the appearance of what seems to be civilized, the veneer of respectability. But when you get down to their actual thoughts and actions, they are not no, the civilized. No, ugliness inside becomes ugliness outside. Everything they do is in, just in um, is as a way to prop up and maintain their own power. Yeah, actually, straight up, explicit delivers that line that they're here to destroy our power and our society. And I was like, yeah, it's it's very very fascinated, Mm -hmm. fascinating because we start with them as very sympathetic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then as we get more information about them, our sympathies change in in the in the space of forty two minutes, which I found find very impressive. I was immediately very suspicious of the rich sky people. 
They had but, great episodes. But that's because episodes. I spent so many years watching the Bajorans. Yeah. This was a great episode. Yeah, I really liked it. Also, the world building? Yeah. Yes. Great. I And I think what really With made... With, like, three sets? Yeah. The cloud. The cloud. When they're standing on that stupid staircase and there's a cloud, you're like, oh... Yeah, I buy this completely. Absolutely. That was very... The visual effects were very cool. Yeah. Like, when they beam down to the mm-hmm. surface, and they look, and you see look up, and just, like, I mean, it was, like, a toy city sitting on yes. top of, like, a bunch yeah. of cotton. But still. But still, it was very, very good. It was very convincing, and it was big. very cool concept. It was big, and it felt cinematic. I think that what helped this episode, that they haven't done in tons of other episodes is that they let aliens talk to each other yeah. not in the presence of one of our heroes. Yes. And that they are allowed to have their own conversations, not being observed, not being spied Props. on by some weird TV. They're just allowed to have regular conversations and have regular relationships with each other mm-hmm. outside of the view of the heroes. Yeah. The first time that Droxine and her father, whose name I cannot remember... Rene um, Aubergine? Y- was that Rene Aubergine? Fuck no. Oh, okay. He'd be 1100 years old right now, but that's exactly he was what he looked like. 1100 years old, but... Um, no, it's not his real name. It's Rene Aubergine, anyways. No. Um, okay, yeah. When the first time they went off and had their own conversation... After Kirk and Spock went to bed because they were so tired from their 10 minutes of transporting, uh, I was just like, oh, wow, what is actually happening? Because we never see that. It reminds, that's why I brought up Pride and Prejudice is that in all of Jane Austen writings, I think there's one or two instances of two men talking to each other. Mm -hmm. Every other time there is a woman present listening or observing or part of the conversation. But it's, it's shocking when you read through and you get to the part in... Um, persuasion and just two guys talking to her. Like, whoa, whoa! <laughs> I don't know what to do with so this. Jarring. I don't know what to feel. It is jarring. And when yeah. this happened, the same thing happened. I was like, oh, that's very weird. But actually, getting—I mean, it's kind of it's like what Star Trek Bechdel test. You actually get an impression that they have inner lives and therefore an actual functioning society. Yeah, I, I felt like they came off as fully realized characters. Everyone here came off as very, very yeah, like well realized characters. Oh, yeah, absolutely, it was great. Yeah. Okay, is... end of episode, guys. <laughs> We're yeah. done. It was nice fine. Track, but... It was fine. So why are they on this crap planet for the first place? They're here for... There is a oh. Xenite. There is a botanical plague on yeah. somewhere called Merrick 2. Mm-hmm. Sure. All of their plants are going to die, therefore uh-huh. they won't have any oxygen. Bad. So Very. they have come to Ardana. Gotcha. Which is the only known source of Xenite, which is the mineral they need in order to stop this botanical plague. They have 12 hours to collect the Xenite. <laughs> TikTok. And zoom off to Ardana. I feel like they should start synthetically producing important shit like this. Right? Yeah. yeah. Or at least, yeah. like, seeding it somewhere so that they have another source. If, for instance, you think. your slave population overthrows your Sky City. Just, like, the one... And again, like, this is being exported for years and no one was like, Hey, how um, are you getting that stuff out of the Earth planet? Here the thing. Well, so, as long as the profits are flowing, why should you care how where it's coming from? Too true. Too true. <laughs> so, they go to Ardana and they're like, so we're here, can we beam down? And they give them a different set of coordinates than the set that they were given before. And Kirk's like, I want to beam down to the mine. Let's get this stuff. Let's go. Let's this go. This is bullshit. So, they were originally supposed to go to the Sky Planet, say their hellos, there's a welcoming ceremony, probably like a high school band is ready yep. for them. Mm-hmm. And Kirk's like, no time. We have to go right to the mine and get it. Send our regrets. Think about those, that poor flautist. <laughs> She's been practicing her solo for years. 
I mean, this seemed really rude. It seemed hella rude. But it did lead to Kirk being lassoed, which yes. I was okay with. They get ambushed. <laughs> as soon as the leather lassoes came out, I was like, oh, Corrine's going to appreciate this. Yeah. That was fine, because he kind of, like, wriggles a little bit, and then it's just like, I'm comfortable with this. The thing is, everyone is super enthusiastic about the lasso fight, but they are both very incompetent at lassoing, and Kirk is very bad at getting out of lassoes. He is so, surprisingly good, vi- sorry, surprisingly bad at getting out of lassoes, because all you have to do is, like, happens. lift up in your arms, yeah. and you're done. Or, like, or, like to the ground like a three-year-old. <laughs> Either or, either so, or. He's they're beset by they're set upon by mole people. Now, for about a minute and a half, I was like, oh, confused about who the bad guys are. That ended a moment later because I was first like, well, they're mole people, and what do we know about mole people? Well, you can never trust a mole person, but yeah. they are not technically mole people no. because they're wearing sunglasses. That is true. So these guys are the troglites, who the people who when they Kirk so Kirk and Spock beam down to the mine get lassoed by the. Troglites. So I'm because, call them troglodytes. Because we're feeling it. subtle this episode. Yeah. So these people are all wearing um, just like mm. red coveralls, yes. black gloves, yes. black boots, yes. skull caps. Let's talk about their wigs. Uh, let me get there. Okay. Okay. So, I just want to make sure that no, we no, don't. No. It's on there. <laughs> so their eyes are all covered by like a silver strip goggles. They're mm-hmm. like very flat, very futuristic alien yeah, with yeah. like slits in them actually they're um quite old-fashioned they're like sun shields like you wear yeah. in the arctic yeah and uh they all have shoulder length long mm. hair that are just terrible wigs sticking out from out of their caps it's like yeah. a witch's wig from halloween that you get not at the dollar store but at like the dime store yeah yeah they all have red coveralls except for vana yes yeah. vana and there's the one one person wearing purple purple coverall outfit and that is the one woman among that's them that's her and she is rad. And the cool thing about this fight is that the way that it's choreographed, you don't necessarily, like, everyone is moving too fast, is you don't necessarily realize that she's, like, you don't have any reason to look at her specifically until she yells, and you're like, oh, there's a woman leading them. I really? like this. I wasn't paying that much attention. I was looking at the lassoes. It was fine. a very effective distraction tactic. Fine, fine, fine. They get out, and it's Renee Oberjoin. It's not him. It's not. That is not how you say his name. Close enough. It's- he is there is no with idea. his hats. Kim, I'll talk about hats. Their hats are weird. Their hats are weird. So the two guards, yes, are wearing thigh-length silver tunics mm. with very large sleeves. Yeah. Seem slightly impractical for guard duty, and uh, black thigh-high boots or knee-high mm-hmm. boots. Mm-hmm. And then they're wearing a hat that's sort of round but kind of fan-shaped. I'm not sure how it's staying on their heads. It's like a collapsed chef's hat. I thought it looked more like a cupcake wrapper. I was mm-hmm. that had been of... just like pushed down on yeah, one side. Yeah, it was like deconstructed lampshade esque. Yeah, I think it kind of worked for them. Yeah, because I feel like they're mostly decorative. I don't under- I don't honestly even understand why they're there. Why they would police? Yeah, because... but there's no violence on their planet. You but they need to. You need to a middle class to enforce the social order between the high and the low. Yeah, and that's what they are. Fine. And also because otherwise the sky people might actually have to touch the troglites when they're kicking them out of the to city. To be honest, they seemed very dirty. And <laughs> Renee is like, these people down here suck. Let's go back to my pad. This guy who is, what is his, he's the advisor. He's the council. He's the head advisor. Plasis, as in placid. Whatever. I kept calling him the advisor. The I was time. writing him as beardy. He is wearing what essentially oh boils down to 
white satin PJs mm-hmm. with a flowing gray robe over top. Robe looks comfy. Yeah. And, and there's sandals, like, yes. And like flashes of like silver lemme where you least expect it. <laughs> but yeah, he's wearing like wide, the only thing I could describe them was, was wide leg white satin that pajamas. That is accurate. He looks so comfy though. I couldn't get over how at least all Everyone the men look, yeah. look the men real comfy. Yeah. The he's, ladies are dressed as Princess Jasmine. They are. And he has like a real, like a salt and pepper beard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just scraggly enough to not be the super close crop beard that drives me crazy. So this guy, uh, the actor's name is actually Jeff Corey. He is baller, yeah. I think we can say. He was a blacklisted for 10, 12 years. He was. Yeah. He so oh, yeah. He, he had basically like just started working again. He he was brought up on the committee for un-American activities and not only refused to name names, but was like Screw all of you who named names. This yep. is bullshit. Yep. Good for him. So I he, mean, I'm sad he didn't get to work, but good for him. Yeah. So he was kind of he was blacklisted, and he kind of found work as a teacher. He even uh, mentored Leonard Nimoy for a while. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I, again, well, they're both uh, Jewish American. Yeah, I thought everyone here did a great. Uh, it's yeah. gonna be really tough to give performance to the episode because he was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vanna was great. Yep. Namoxeline or whatever Droxine. the hell her name Droxine is. Droxine was great. Also great. I will also say it. Shatner was great. Shatner killed in this episode. Also, he looked fantastic. All, All right. right. Let's just really... do this right now to get it out of the way. Kareen, who's written down for my performance of the episode? Son of a gun! <laughs> I wrote down Shatner. What? I know, I very rarely give it to Shatner. But he was good. He, he was, was very good. good in this. He was, and he looked great. Everyone looked good but... in the Cloud City. <laughs> no, do you know the last thing that it, uh, Jeff Corey had done that was on his resume that I actually, he was in Babylon 5. He was in the Zaha Doom episode as the creepy old guy. If you go to Zaha Doom, you, you will, will die. die. Was he that guy? No. He okay. was the old dude, I believe, in I've, the... Uh, the I haven't watched that episode dude. in ages. The only yeah. thing I remember is that line. Yeah. There. They, he beams him up to his place where he has his creepy 12-year-old daughter. Her outfit... <gasps> oh my god! Her outfit is amazing! Her outfit just keeps giving. Oh my gosh. Okay, so... a bl- My notes actually read, A blonde appears! <laughs> <laughs> she is wearing a shiny blue dress. Is it dress blue? <laughs> we have questions, but I would say it's more aquamarine. It's, it's, it's so many colors. It's very shiny. It's a very light blue color. Um, it's with like it's like marine, light, light blue silver. It looks like aquamarine. It, it looks like okay. Plastic you put around. She has got some boob cups. Yes. that cover her boobs. Yes, and they cross over her chest in the front. It looks mm-hmm. like a bikini. Uh, yeah, it looks like a bikini I don't top. Know what it's called. Um, and there are, there are very small straps holding the cups at the side and go around to the back, but that's mm-hmm. not important because you can't actually see her back. So this thing, they cross over the chest, they go up around her back, and they turn into a dramatic cape. I love a the cape. Pleated a cape. cape. pleated cape that flows behind her so oh, beautifully. Okay. It's attached to the skirt, and so then yeah. she is bare from the boobs to the top of her hips, where she's wearing a very low... Skirt, which then turns into like a full length pleated skirt, and this cape attaches to the back of the skirt, so you can't actually see any of her back. Mm-hmm. It is dramatic, it is flowing, it is beautiful. It is like, aside from like the, the like partial, like half nudity, you can actually see her belly button. You, yeah, you can <laughs> see her belly button. 
it is goddamn amazing. I loved the women's outfits in this episode. Yeah, they were, they were crazy, but I really enjoyed them. The other thing about Droxine's skirt is that it had clearly been rolled under. Yes! Rather, rather than actually being sewn that way, like, someone looked at it and went, oh, no, you're gonna trip and die. So it was rolled under, like, a private school girl insane. bringing her... Because a couple of times she turned really fast and it came unrolled on one side. <gasps> yeah. yeah. So but she, it was amazing. Yeah, so Droxine has got, like, ice white hair mm-hmm. up in, like, a very dramatic um, up, Star Trek updo with all the ladies. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but she's also wearing... Um, earrings that have Great earrings. The earrings they, they come they have a bar that sits just underneath her earlobe and then there's these three large dramatic baubles that come off mm-hmm. of each one it is gorgeous and then she has also got in the tradition that we have been seeing it with oh, eye yeah. makeup mm-hmm. this season or especially in the back half of this season basically she's got sweeping blue and pink eye eyeshadow on with a stripe of pink right over her eye and then blue up at the top it is the entire effect is amazing. I think this is one of the most gorgeous costumes Star Trek yeah, has done. Yeah, it was done. beautiful. It's, yes. it's phenomenal. I can't, like, I'm gushing about it because it's so, so gorgeous. Her I, father introduces her as a work of art. And at first I was like, fuck yeah. yeah. And then I was like, you know what, though? Yeah. Like, that is All clearly what she was going for. Yeah, she, it looks great. Like, and either every, she yeah. or a troglodyte house slave worked really hard to make her look like that. Well, and that's the whole point, because what we're introduced is this cloud city, which is called Stratus, is supposed to be a place of, like, art and beauty. Yes, they devote themselves to art. Art, art is their occupation. And the intellect. Yes. And, yes. I mean, we still see this in society now as fashion, as art. Like, yes. that's what couture mm-hmm. shows in Paris are about, where you mm-hmm. put the most ridiculous bananas shit that nobody would ever wear or go down the runway. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is supposed to be. Well, except for Druxine, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's what this is. This is fashion as art. This is your body as a canvas. But it also telegraphs to us, the watching audience, that she is decorative. Yes. Mm-hmm. That she, she is useless. She's wealthy. She's mm-hmm. like a wealth... She's exactly what that is. She is an upper class decorative woman who she has never done any work a, a, no. a lift of no work, work in her and, life and that's the whole point of stratus yes. is that it is a life of leisure no toil yes and if yes. she she and they also talk about how they are they're they're the educated class here yes. so if she has had an education mm-hmm. it has been in probably something like art with a focus on like it is their occupation art history or something. like we don't actually get this information no. but you can imagine that that's what her life has been yeah in that she has done things that are suitable to her station mm-hmm. but and you can get all of that from that costume yeah, yeah. it's in it again and the way she moves the design and all of this from the set design because there it. there is a number of bullshit avant-garde art statues in this that I actually liked. (laughs) There is something in Kirk's chamber, which I assume is the, like, most useless fruit bowl of all time, that I was like, you know what? I really dig that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I love all of this. Yeah. Good job, everyone. Yeah. Because, yeah, when they go back to his pad, um, it's full of stupid art, um, and they've got, like, a bright um clementine way, orange sky by the way i need to note the fact that when they first look up at the cloud city the scale is hilariously off yes 
Yes. And every time we looked up to the city again, I guffawed. Yeah. yeah, but that's fine. But from the inside, it is beautiful. It's great. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, he's like, this is the gallery where all might just come and like contemplate So shit. this is a funny conversation because he keeps being like, look at all these beautiful things that we don't have to worry about what's happening on the planet. Okay. And Kirk and Spock are like, okay, but on the planet, those dudes tried to kill us, right? We skipped a couple of things, which is that the um, Xenite is not available mm-hmm. it's uh, because it has been taken by a group called the Disruptors. Yes. yes. Uh, they are the Troglite faction currently in charge of the, the Troglite society down on the planet. They are the revolutionaries. There's mild social like, unrest. We may have yes. neglected to mention when we left. Well, it's not important spoke. for them to say, um, but like they are the revolutionaries. They're causing trouble. There's yeah. never been trouble before. We don't understand what they're doing. Yeah. And wow, wow, at wow. some point the advisor guy talks about them wanting Kirk and Spock as hostages to force the council to meet their demands. But so what really are their demands? The oh, it's will. not important. Yeah. It's is this, by great. the way, the first time we've seen alien transporters? Because they're dramatically different from yeah, the Federation. Fire, yeah, fire, fire yeah. transporters. I think it might be the first. Yeah. Like, I mean, we, no, we've seen like we see aliens booping in and out, and we but have, not like not matter like, transport, not beams. matter transport. Because like we've seen folding, and we've yeah. seen oh, I love the folding, yeah, booping and booping. TV offing, <laughs> yeah. But this is the first time I remember seeing like different transport. It was great because it looked yeah. like they were on fire. Yeah. So we get an actual view down towards the planet. It looks really great. Like, this was A-plus design and everything from everyone. It's good. I love... They're walking down this gallery talking about how they're so great. And they go to this statue and both Rene Aubergine and uh, Noxaline are like... (gasps) And I'm looking at the statue going... I, I couldn't don't tell the understand what's happening here. It's another shiny bit of metal sticking out yes. of a shiny bit of metal. And they they rip it out like, but oh beard, no. Beardy is very angry. And I'm like, oh no. Droxine is very upset. They're despoiling the whole city. And Spock's like, despoiling. Interesting choice of words. So yeah, they put things in art. A disruptor has basically stuck a art deco knife into a piece yes. of art. Their knives, can we just put up front, are Cave very implements. stupid. Yeah. They look like irons, like that, that have been flattened, they or like a look, trowel that has been... Um, yeah, so at this point, Kirk and Spock are like, okay, no, seriously, though, what demands? Could you explain what is happening? Um, and it's like, no, don't worry about it. it. They're unreasonable demands. Kirk is clearly hoping that there's, like, an easy fix. Maybe we can, like, give them a lollipop or some DVDs or anything. Um Instead, they could just go to sleep. Yeah, and then they're at, flatly refusing to give them any information. Kirk's like, look, you guys are both Federation members. This is a Federation issue. You have legal obligations. This was my favorite part of this, is that they, as Federation members, they had legal obligations to other Federation yeah. worlds yeah. that they had to fulfill. And I love that yeah. as a little detail. I really that, like that you just You remember the Federation. You cannot be a dick to anybody just because you may not like them or whatever, but if you have something that they need in order to survive, you need to give it over. And I thought that was great. And I just remember that later on, we definitely, like, straight up have rules that say that if you, you know, oppress a large chunk of your population, yeah. you can't be a Federation member. I feel like the Federation is not doing a lot of oversight on the planets that they're letting into their clubhouse. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is, a, because Kirk clearly has a problem with it. Yeah, he does. And as soon as he realized what's up, he's like, oh no, this needs to stop. Like, I can't stop it exactly right now, but I need I'm to get my Xenite I'm going to circle around back because yeah. we need to solve We're this. We're going to talk about this later. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, and then they sort of go off to their room to rest after their yes. very the rest of the they, they had a really strenuous ten minutes of transporting. Yes. So Kirk needs to like literally Kirk needs to lie. Like, down. Hey hey yeah. hey! I totally understand that. <laughs> Life is exhausting. And like, here we, I appreciate why they were getting yeah. Kirk and Spock yes, out of the of way, course. but it was dumb. <laughs> um, here's where the daddy daughter talk. Um, it's in- interesting. It was interesting. She's into Spock because there's just something attractive about him. Yeah, I there really, is. I really liked this conversation because it was it was a very convincing father-daughter conversation where he's like, oh, well, strangers. And she's like, well, they're so interesting and clearly has a thing for Spock. And he's like, and here I thought you were worried about our diplomatic relations. <laughs> Except that she is like 12. Anyways. And then the guards drag in. Like hair for days. Yeah. A troglodyte. Yeah. A, troglodyte. a troglodyte. And he has hair. He's been caught for without days. his papers. Or I yeah. I like it because they you need a transportation card to get up and down from the planet, which they clearly regulate, which as a detail, I love Great. it. Yeah. It's like your transit pass and they are controlling the transit pass. Again, so, yeah. like, little details yeah. about yeah. that. So and you need a permit to come yeah. into the strata. So he was caught without his papers and without his work order, I guess, for the repairs he says he's doing. And Beardy's like, this is your knife stabbed into the sculpture. And he's like, no. I'm pretty sure definitely yes. But Oh, yeah. He is a terrible sure. liar. Yeah. Um, so his so rather than being dragged away to be questioned, this uh, guy who is probably a member of the Disruptor faction decides to escape by running to the edge of the city and leaping off. This yeah. was graphic! Yeah, you see him, like, shrinking into the distance while you look over the edge of the balcony. Yeah, it took me a couple of beats to go, oh, oh, no, he, he is... He committed suicide? He committed suicide. Rather than subject himself to questioning. And we see him falling down to the yeah. planet to his immediate death. Like, I was surprised that they allowed that on TV. Like, I immediately assumed that he was going to be tortured, but that definitely confirmed it for me. Yeah, well... Their torture seems very dumb. Like, there's a lot of dog whistle words in everything they've said about the troglites up to this point. Where it's like, oh, so questioning definitely means horrible torture, right? Mm. Oh, okay. I kind of get it now. That's true. So Kirk is having a nappy nap mm-hmm. next to oh, the nicest oh, fruit ball I've I'm ever sorry. seen. We get the weird Spock internal monologue. Yeah, this was weird. With, like, the interfades and the flashback where he's sitting with his hands steepled together. And we get... A PowerPoint. We have a PowerPoint fade presentation yes. of what we've just of the seen city ten minutes with previous. a beautiful with matte a spot painting voiceover. Yeah, and like going back to the fight on the planet, and that yeah. was so weird, right? Where he basically is like, "This is fucked up." Uh, the, the key, the key line that I pulled out of his little monologue here was that those who rule are separated from those who do the work. Yeah. Yes, and he contrasts Droxine with Vala or Vanna. About how she's so pure and so charming, but does she know about the life on the planet? Does she know about Vanna? How desperate she is, how she's driven to violence. So he talks about Vanna down on the planet and how she is living a life that is directed by desperation. And if they knew of each other's misery, how would it affect each of them? Mm -hmm. Mostly he's talking about charming. Yeah, Droxine. I love yeah. that name. That's such a great name. Too. I'm having a real hard time remembering it. It's <laughs> like it is like a pill, Droxine, for all of your incontinent needs. <laughs> there is a shot because he hears someone twiddling of his around. Super hearing. Okay, this shot of her aquamarine dress in that 
startlingly purpley lit room with that piece of bonkers art behind her is one of my favorite shots of Star Trek. Yeah. It's great. I love the colors. Yeah. It's this God, everything about her was filmed so beautifully. Mm-hmm. 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 They have a very pointless conversation. And oh no, Vanna is hiding behind a pillar. <laughs> Poorly. <laughs> she's really doing like like either she's like just shit at hiding, yes. or Spock and Droxine are like the least observant people ever. Cause she kinda like pokes her head in the door. Yeah. Sees them with their backs slightly turned and like literally tiptoes across yes, the, yes, the yeah. hallway. Well, they are busy trying to maneuver each other into the right angle for the shot. <laughs> well, and she's like, So I hear Vulcans are as highly evolved as Stratos City Dollars, which is like, Hey, can you uh, validate my institutionalized racism for me? That'd be great. No, she's just like, So, like, we have things in common, such as we are awesome and evolved. Well, they're comparing themselves to the Troglites. Well, she is. It's like, oh, well, they're dumb and we're smart. And I'm sure you're smart, too. You're one of us. My favorite thing is, is that, yeah, Vanna sneaks off to go stab Kirk with an iron. At this point, I was just writing her as Ginger. Cave Ginger. It was so great because she goes to stab him. And, of course, he's not sleeping. He's just, you know, sitting there with his eyes closed. There are apparently no doors in this city or locks. No. They have a really sexy slash gross tumble in his bed as he's, like, wrestling her around and she's trying to escape and he's holding her down. I felt like the show thought it was going to be, like, cute and sexy. And the reality is that she's sort of in a position where she is, like, probably fearful of sexual violence at this point. Yeah, there's a really, like, uncomfortable, like, three or four seconds in between you're trying to stab me. And she's like, no, I was just trying to take you hostage. And then it shifts again. But there's a minute there where it's like, I don't think there were any women in the editing room. Well, it starts sexy where he's like, oh, you again. And you changed like, your dress. Yes. Oh. Because she is wearing an outfit. She is wearing an outfit. So she is in um, a darker blue dress, much darker blue than Droxine. Not. Um, mm. And she's got, so she's got the same top happening as Droxine, but the rest of the dress is like the cape and the length of the dress is shorter, so more mm. of a knee length feel. And she has very like light sky blue tights on underneath. So an echo of Droxine's outfit, but functional. And it's a work outfit. Yes, it's much simpler, and yeah. she definitely looks like she, yeah, she can function in the mm-hmm. outfit. It's, mm-hmm. it's, and it's matte. All of the Troglites' clothing is matte. I don't think they're allowed to wear shiny fabrics <laughs> because all of the, all you of you cannot the have people. the organza. Yes. yes. No, I mean, and it's a good point, and it's a good echo of like all upper class dressing in yeah. the 1800s or yeah. before, etc. Mm-hmm. All of it. Yeah. Like, uh, fancy suitcases that are worth four thousand dollars <laughs> forty thousand oh well i stand corrected <laughs> but so, then, yeah it starts yeah. sexy yeah he's like oh you again and he's and like a... i could call the guards and she's like oh why don't Fine, you do it and then it goes gross because yeah. he's like yeah. he's like i'm not afraid i find this enjoyable as she like struggles to get away at which point it, it does turn into super gross sexual For, like, four territory four seconds and then she's like fine and then he lets her up he even like covers her legs back up so it's yes. really confusing, like, really mixed messages here. It's very weird. And then, of course, she tries to run off. Yeah, good for her. And he grabs her again. Yeah. It's great because his conversation is being contrasted with Spock and Droxine's conversation where she's like, Oh, yeah. Wait, you just have sex every seven years? Okay, so yeah, Spock is discussing the highly secret, highly private Vulcan mating cycle that his best friends and his general practitioner didn't know about with a total stranger he's known, like, But a charming minutes. stranger. Yeah, whatever. 
her. She's charmed the information right out of him. Uh-huh. Which apparently, yeah, that he has shared with no one. He's like, she's, yeah, every seven years. And she's like, oh, uh... Can you change that cycle? <laughs> I really like that she she like really upfront. I just like, can you have sex any other time, yes. please? Yes, it is so great. But Spock is for the first time ever Spock blocked because <laughs> Kirk is like Spock, and they comes come in to meet in. Vanna, and Droxine is so upset because she's like, oh Vanna, you were my servant. How could you? Oof. Which was interesting. Ooh. And we find out the troglites, uh, of whom Vanna is one, think the Enterprise is here to intimidate them, that the whole crisis is a sham. Kirk's mm. like, um, no, definitely real crisis. Vanna says, starships do not transport cargo. Kirk's like, uh, yeah, they do. <laughs> Look, trust me, I'm the expert. Yeah. That starts a lot of the eugenics argument for why troglodytes need to stay in the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, because she's like, no, my people have a right to be in the clouds. Like, we have a right to live in the sun. And she's like, your eyes cannot handle the sun. The caverns are warm and your eyes are not accustomed to light. It's chilling. At which point Kirk says, uh, I'm sorry. What? They can't see the sun? <laughs> this, explain. This is not good. And and then Droxine, I think it's Droxine here who talks about that they have a separation of work and yes. leisure to create a yes. perfectly balanced social structure. They and are leisure. workers. They yeah. work. Their purpose is physical toil. It is their function. Mm-hmm. They just simply do not understand a life outside of that. And at this point, Spock and Kirk are like, fuck diplomacy, we're going to tell these people off. Um, Spock, the service of the planet is almost unendurable. To restrict a segment of the population to such hardship is unthinkable in an evolved culture. Hey there, Star Trek! Yeah. Um, so, she gets... She's spewing arguments I've seen on conservative Twitter feeds. Yeah, it's great. It's all great. Yeah, it's it's amazing. pulled from many historical documents. Violence is all they understand. Yes. Oh, dear. Yes. And it's great because it's all things that have historically been argued to oppress another another people. They're not yeah. like us. They're they're not as evolved as us. Yeah, and then later on when they get into like the medical Yeah. That was like the medical yeah. reasons. Like, no no, we've proved this medically. Like that was really interesting too. Yeah. So we'll get there. But yeah. there's uh, some great dialogue on this episode. It's like yeah. talks, they understand all the little things you and I understand, equality, kindness, justice. This is a good dialogue episode. It is. She gets dragged off to be tortured, and uh, which Beardy steps in to calm yes. things. Droxana is like, "Don't worry, like our society doesn't have violence. It's totally okay." At which point, our next scene is them torturing someone, like, and you're like, "Isn't them? that?" Yeah. Well, we also find out in the scene that the, the because they're arguing about whether or not the troglodytes can understand abstract concept like justice and mercy and. Spock's like, well, they clearly do since they're trying to start a revolution and that's not something that, you know, idiots can do. And she's like, oh, well, they're brought up here as children to be our trainers and train. It's like, well, that's a fundamental contradiction to everything you just said, but I'm not terribly surprised you don't understand. Um, Yeah. Kirk says, um, no more torture. They're not into this. And Beardy's like, leave us alone or I'll complain to the Federation you're interfering with our government. So Kirk and Spock are out. Yes. Essentially, and they're Renee Oberjoy says, sight. yes, Renee Oberjoy says, you suck. Go home. Yeah. And they do. 
They are due and and stew in orbit. Yes, and and they do, but they also do some science. Yes, actual science. The thing that I like is when he kicks he you know he kicks them off the planet. The advisor guy, and then after Kirk and Spock beam off, he, you see the advisor ordering Kirk killed if he comes back down to the planet. Yeah, like Kirk was he's got revolutionary ideas and he's actually in a position to do something about it. If he comes back, just get rid of him. Yeah. Wow. Uh, this is quite, I mean, basically he's, you know, a, he, he's like a, he's a communist. He can't be trusted. He has to be destroyed, which is real funny considering the actor's history. Um, so Kirk is, makes a diary entry. Yeah. We're still waiting. We have 12 hours. So I'm just going to beam down and talk to the troglodytes directly. Uh, Bones saunters in to give us an excellent example, uh, on racial bias in medicine. Oh, no, no, all the research says they're mentally inferior. Uh, where did you get that research, Bones? Was it perhaps from Stratos? Well, then uh, they come up yeah. with a, a medical reason that the troglodytes are, quote-unquote, mentally inferior. Yeah. That the xenite that they're constantly working with actually causes brain damage. Yeah. Yes. And they're as, as they're constantly exposed, they build up, they're constantly being, like, they have no chance to recover. Mm-hmm. Vanna was removed to be taken up to Stratus to train as a servant, apparently, in some mm-hmm. ways. And the Xenite cleared out of her system, which mm-hmm. is why she appears, and I'm, I'm using quote quote marks around all this, to have a higher intelligence, mm-hmm. like the Sentinels do. Yeah. I love what happens next. Is it like, oh, like, we can solve this. Like, if we give them air filters, they'll... Be able to. We come. have the technology. Yeah. They will be exactly equal to you. So they call up Rene Aubergine on the telephone, and Beardy obviously says, and they're like, "Hey, so you know, we can solve all of this. Like, they no longer need to toil in the ground being angry. They can. They're just as as good as you. You're the exact same species. Oh, and this is the part that I love is because his argument is clearly, well, my superior ancestors knew to leave, so we're better. It's. It, it all, and Spock's like, um, that's not how science works. It comes all, like, all the arguments for white supremacy. Yep. Well, our people triumphed and did awful things, and we were the winners. Yeah. We also Because we won. That they're not no, the ones who it's built chance. It. Yeah. It is pure accident. chance and accident. It is not some divine hand saying, you are the chosen people. No. It's just sheer dumb luck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As to who ends up in strata and who ends up in the mines. There's no difference between you. No. Um, and Spock, like, straight up goes, that only started happening after you left. And before then, you guys were identical. And he's like, oh, well, your science is clearly wrong. Because that's how science works. <laughs> yeah. We also later find out that it actually wasn't all uh, Stratos people who built Stratos. It was also troglites, and they were told... Just let us uh, get it broken in first. We'll call so you. We're going to go up to the clouds, and then we're going to send down ropes for the rest of you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you guys can climb the ropes and come back into the city. But, you know, we don't want to lose all of you. In a bit. I really loved this whole thing about the masks. I thought it was great. Because mm-hmm, yeah. it's, it's, um, it's the same thing that we talk about today when you talk about... Um, What's the words I'm looking at? Like, uh, removing barriers to entry for mm-hmm. work and school, et cetera, et cetera, is you're just creating a condition of equality. Yeah, You're not giving anybody a special hand 
or special treatment. You are literally just creating a circumstances wherein they can be treated equally Easy mm-hmm. mode. as everyone else. Mm-hmm. So by giving the troglites masks, you are removing the condition that gives them brain damage. Yes. And You're literally putting them on the same level as the people in Stratus are mm-hmm. and then sending them off to succeed or fail from that point. And it's, oh, it's such a good piece of commentary. It is. Yes, it is. Everything about, you know, it's essentially like space affirmative action. Yeah. Yes. And Kirk absolutely like flat out accuses him of like ignoring completely reasonable intellectual science because he's, you know, prejudiced, prejudiced. It's like, you only don't want to take these masks because you know your society is an un- unjust and this will fix it. I don't know how you can get more explicit than that. No, thanks. So Kirk's like, fuck this, I'm going. Yes. He is going to go talk to Vanna and try to make her a deal. Yeah. yeah. Or spin the wheel, well, as Kirk, it were. I, I think Kirk has decided he's going to go and talk to the Trogla directly to get the yes, stuff. Yes, he wants yes. the Xanax or whatever. Xenite. Um, and he knows... She knows where it is, yeah. or she can communicate with the people who have taken it. Mm-hmm. Dealing with Renee, she's Overjoin a big deal in the is, resistance. Yeah, Renee Overjoin is useless. Like he doesn't know where it is, and he can't find it. And they're not going to. So he's going to go straight to the source. So he beams into her prison, and her outfit is amazing. <laughs> she is wearing a white thigh length like cotton slip thing, mm-hmm. but it's got like um uh, like a high, almost kind of like boat neck deal going on, sleeveless yes. with a high boat yes. neck. And she's got this really interesting, like, symbols or jewels yes. or something right at the, co- at the collar. I think they're supposed to be numbers. What? I think. Probably. I, I, they're alien language, and I yeah. loved it. I yeah. like that, too. She looked like, like a training apprentice witch. Yeah. yeah. It was very it was very simple. It was very functional. But it was very much, it had, like, it institutional. Had, yeah. Like, hospital or prison, which exactly is exactly yeah. what it Kirk is. Kirk saddles up and essentially is like... Uh, I'm a trust fund baby. You can trust me. <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah, sure, absolutely, I trust you." So here's the deal: I know where it is, and I'm gonna need you to bust me out of prison, and then we'll both go down and get it, and then you can take it back. And he's like, "Uh," and she's like, "Well, you asked me to trust you, so now you have to trust me and I love her so much because obviously she is going to betray him but I find this really frustrating because there he has nothing to gain by convincing her like by lying to her at this point like maybe he's not lying to her no he isn't so there's no real reason for her to believe everyone in her entire life in her entire society in the history of her people have been lying to her but it's not like you guys could steal a different Zenite shipment later if this doesn't work no this is the as far as we know the only one he gives a great speech he's like um because she's while she's pretending to be convinced, she's like, it's hard to believe that something that is neither seen nor felt can do so much harm. And he says, an idea can't be seen or felt. That's what kept the troglites in the minds all these centuries. A mistaken idea. And I just wrote, SOCIALISM! It all caps with a lot of exclamation points. It's great. Because, yeah, she, they bust out of prison. She takes him down to the caves, meets her fellow wiggity wigs. Mm-hmm. They do an awesome handshake or like arm shake, and, and she's like, "Okay, guys, and jump him because now he's our hostage, and we're gonna get what he wants." And Kirk looks shocked. Yep, he should not. No, he's well, like I came down not. here and you still took me hostage. Yeah, they're also very mean to him, which I also appreciated because they're like, <laughs> "Get down on your knees and mine." Yeah. They start making him just dig in the dirt with his hands. Here's yeah. the other... I have a question. Yeah, sorry. Um, when they break out of prison, 
He hides behind the door and then clocks the guard on the back of the head. Sure. Couldn't he just have the Enterprise beam him out of the cell without needing to open the door at all? Wouldn't, in fact, that have been more stealthy than what they did? No, because the reason Kirk is down on this planet alone is because he went down... um, Spock wanted to go too, but Kirk said no, he was doing this on his own because they had been specifically ordered not to go by the planet yeah. leadership, and he's basically leading a rebellion against the government at this point. Yeah, fine, but, but it would be a lot more your, efficient. To your question, yeah, they should have just beamed beam in, grab out, out, beam out. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, like I would have you're going to break all the rules, Honestly, might as well break all the if rules. if anything, that would have made her trust him more because now he had nothing, he had nothing to bargain with. Yeah, I, I don't Game theory-wise, this is an utter failure. It's great because her weighty wigs are like, hey, why don't we just kill him? And it becomes very clear that she is the only one with two cents to rub together in this entire operation. Yeah, because yeah. you can really see the difference between the people with long-term brain damage and the people who have not been exposed to the brain damage gas but that much. here's the great thing about this. They get mad at her when she says, no, we're not going to kill Kirk. Mm-hmm. They get mad at her for dictating terms yes. to them. Yeah. Which, if you look at what's going on in terms of the... Cl- like current political climate you have people with low education and low access and low opportunities low impulse control who have someone who is standing in front of them and saying i'm going to try and do these things that will raise all of us out of this position and they say no fuck you you're just being mean to us and you're too educated so we're gonna Mm -hmm. pick someone who will tell us what we want to hear and that's what that this reminded me of a little bit the, she starts singing on Jenny from the Block. Yeah, well, it's American anti-elitism. Well, not yeah. even anti- Anti-intellectualism. No, elite, elite anti-intellectualism. Yeah. It's not even elitism, because elitism is a worthless term now. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it's the the fear, and actually in Sarah Vowell's The Word is Shipmate, it's very, very interesting that you can tie that back to the uh, Puritans who came to America first. There was the fear of people who were intellectual, who were bookish, who were smart in that particular way because their entire religion is not based on your knowledge of the Bible or your interpretation on the Bible, but rather a feeling. And you trust your feeling because your feelings are given to you by God, not your intellect, which Everything can be, which is corruptible and for man. Mm-hmm. But your feeling should overrule everything. Everything comes back to the fucking Puritans. It really does. Jesus. Great book. Great book. Yeah, so <laughs> I love this. I do love a good Kirk fight, especially when he tries to be real sneak about it because he grabs a handful of chalk and shoves it in her face. Yeah. They struggle. Then he's like, you know what's going to solve all of this? A cave in. I am trapping us here together. Fuck <laughs> this. And I am going to. Te- and there's he has a couple of good zingers because she's like, we're sealed in. There's going to be no oxygen, you moron. He's like, ho, oh, so you can die from something you can't see. <laughs> you shock me. This is actually a very Picard plan. It is. It's. I was like, oh my god, Jean-Luc Picard would be so proud of you. Because he turns into a sassy bitch. Yeah, yeah, he does. And it's great. And he's like, okay, here's the deal. Uh, I'm going to get you to get Rene Aubergine, and we're just going to sit in this cave and do you guys go crazy with coal mine dust, and we'll see who's right. Yeah. Yeah. It is Kirk. Yeah. Yeah. So Kirk's called Spock has the beardy beardy advisor dude beamed down. We have a little, before, before Kirk seals the cave, there's this like five second scene back on the ship where Spock's like into the log. So the captain's missing like an idiot. 
and then we go back. There has no other purpose to this scene. The other weird part is, so they're going to beam down Beardy. Him and his daughter have a balcony scene? Yep. Yeah. Where she's like, oh, Spock is so dreamy. I feel like with his sexy elven ears, if I just <laughs> called to him, he would come back and visit me. What? She's being poetic. Because I am she, clearly not. Because there was a whole thing where the only reason he she woke him before pouring drinks is because he has super hearing, and they have a whole thing about it. Yeah, I know. I watched the episode. It's like this I don't is know. still a banana conversation. Young. Yeah, she is twelve. Yeah, twelve. Now, Spock is not sure about the kidnap uh, Beardy and beam him down to the planet with no warning. Scotty is 150% on board with this plan. Scotty's right. They should do this more often. Yeah. Because they do beam him down. And here's the thing. Kirk looks awesome in all this. Mining really suits him. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good look for him. I don't know why he's so dirty because it's chalk that they're mining, but mm-hmm. he's like covered in like sexy charcoal smudges. And he looks at these two jerks because he's getting like he's getting coal mine crazy. Yeah. And he starts like holding his tri- his um phaser like he's just gonna have to shoot someone. He just hasn't decided which one yet. And then he's like, you two, start mining. Yeah. And <laughs> he turns amazing. Dig. I said dig. Yeah. <laughs> This is, of course, preceded by Beardy saying the, like, least subtle line in the episode, um, where Droxine's like, oh, well, he knows so much. And and Beardy's like, the only thing he knows is how to destroy our power in our society. And that's what it comes down to, you assholes. Yes. And he's right. Yep. But what happens first is a duel to the death, where uh, Rene Aubergine and Kirk... You fast forwarded oh, through this? it was great. This was a great fight scene. Haven't you always wanted a... to say Shatner fight an old man? <laughs> it was an embarrassing fight scene. My favorite part was when Shatner launched himself through the air sideways mm. and kicked him in the chest. My favorite point was when uh, Rene Aubergine has the trowel and... Uh, Kirk just kind of kicks it out of his hand. And then pops him in the nose. Oh, so good. Meanwhile, Vanna's watching this going, Oh, uh, oh wait, shit, yeah, this is real. <laughs> there is some bad stuff in the air. And she calls up to the ship going, You have to beam these assholes up or yeah. else they're going to kill each other. The fact that Kirk cannot win in a fight against an old <laughs> man whose occupation is art... <laughs> Should reflect poorly on him. Yeah. It's the gas. Yeah, whatever. The gas makes you angry and it makes you dumb. Yep. Yeah. Does not affect your fighting schools. Anyways. Yes. Oh, Jesus. Okay, there's a point in here where they, they're they arguing back and forth or whatever. And somebody talks about Vanna, um, her getting an education. Like, you're yes. not all left behind. You got an education. Mm-hmm. You should be grateful. And this was my, f- probably one of my favorite parts of the episode is Vanna says, my education served you at the time. Yes. And I fucking love that. I thought mm-hmm. it was great. Because the mm-hmm. only reason she was taken from the surface and received any kind of education was because there was a menial role yes. that the, yeah. mm-hmm, the Stratus people needed filled. And so they brought her up and trained her to fill it. And, yes. she, she, and I, I love that line yeah. so much. It's not benevolence. And no. again, you're teaching them in a system that benefits 
yes. you yes. and benefits how, people how fitting to, into your slots. How to better fit yourself into the institutionalized class yes. inequality. Yeah. And it's the and it's it's the the thing with the middle class is if you have a middle class that you can as a as a lower lower class poorer person can have the opportunity to move up into, you're not going to want to critique or try and tear down the system above with still having the hope that you one day will be able to move up. Also having being given, you know, someone to look down on. It's like, well, I'm fine because I'm not them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's why the Trump was Yeah. Active. They bean back to the city and Kirk is sweaty. Everyone is very sweaty. Looking good though. And has to be convinced. Uh, are you sure you're going to beat the shit out of that old man on the, uh, transporter pad? Oh, you are. Oh, um, interesting choice. Interesting choice. Do you remember about the whole gas thing? Like the whole reason you were down on that planet? Oh, right. He, and he does the Picard maneuver and he's like, I'm fine. <clears throat> that never happened. I'm good. Yeah. So we get back to the planet and Noxine, Neroxamine, Droxine, oh gosh, is having a conversation with Spock. And this is the most telling conversation that I've ever seen in this entire show. She's like, I hate the word masks. I don't like masks. Oh. I like the word protector better. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Because it's still about them being saviors and controlling how this All narrative is spun. Matter, Kareem. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the end of this is that the troglodytes, trogites, whatever, they're getting filters and the Enterprise is getting their Xenite. And they're getting the fuck out of here. It's yeah. great because Rene Aubergine is like, they're going to be more ungrateful and more vindictive than ever. And she's like, Fuck and yeah. Vanna is like, yeah, yeah, we are. And our demands have just begun. Because when we get over this gas, we are going to want things. Mm-hmm. And Spock tries to be like, hey, Nerdoxaline, like, it's better that you know this. There is beauty in knowledge below. And she kind of like looks down to the ground and looks sad and says, I will go to the mines. <laughs> She's going to go do a semester overseas she doing is. charity work. She's going to do oh, some Habitat for Humanity things yeah. and feel good about herself. Um, and then never think about it again. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, is Vulcan like my shitty planet? And <laughs> no. Spock is like, no. No, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> and Kirk says, look, you guys clearly need some mediation. The Federation could come in. You guys could have talks. And... They get into another fighting about about Renee Aubergine pressing charges against Kirk for I'll sue you just try yes for kidnapping and punching her in the face and Vanna's like how about we just forget that none of this ever happened you're both embarrassing yourselves and Kirk out yeah 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 a plus excellent episode it was a great episode. It yeah. was very, very good. I honestly think this is one of the best episodes yeah. of the entire show. The fact that it's still so resident, resonant and relevant to today's political situation it makes mm. me very sad. Yeah. But the commentary is so good and so on point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Kim, your count for the episode? One death. Oh. Some guy commits suicide rather than be tortured. 
Mm-hmm. The torture didn't seem that bad. All you have to do is look at lights. Yeah, but it looked painful, though. Vanna it was, like, screaming painful. pretty bad. She was screaming a lot. Yeah. Eh, maybe she was just faking it. Oh, no, the torture's so bad. Maybe, actually, that would be a great technique. They'd be like, oh, we're going to shine these lights at you, and their thing was like, yeah, we're going to scream like we're being tortured, but in fact, like, it's just looking at lights, but we don't want them to let them know that it doesn't actually do anything. Wait till you get to the part where Picard is tortured with lights. I've seen it. It's good. Anyway. Meh. Are your count? Uh, Four ladies, two people of color. Not a great person of color count for an episode that's a thinly disguised commentary on the civil rights movement, well, but sometimes, you know, in many ways, that's what Star Trek does yeah. best. The safe analog. Yes. Um, Kim, your life lesson to be taken from this. Uh, life lesson is um, equal uh, equal access to social services and education for all. <laughs> um, are your life lesson? Mine is roughly in line with that also. Mm. What was your life lesson, Kareen? Mining sucks. Get robots <laughs> to do it. <laughs> also, don't rely on fossil fuels. Um, yeah. Performance of the episode, Kim, we already know yours. Shatner. Shat. He, the he Shat. good. The he Shat was, is back. He was good. Um, Ari? I'm giving it to Jeff Corey, who played Plasis, because yeah. he clearly had thought about his role. And I yeah. really, really enjoyed his performance. Um, I think we should also give um, extra special, like, t- Tip of the hat to Charlene Polite, who played Vanna. Mm-hmm. Diane Ewing. Ewing. Ewing, who played Droxine. Yeah. Only acted for eight years. I've, I mean, I gave went I gave performance of the episode to Shatner, but everybody was great in yeah. this. There was everyone no was bad performance. No, no, this is this is like later Star Trek, where absolutely everyone in the episode knows why they're there, is yeah. committed to the Enterprise. Yeah. Not the ship, but that too. Mm-hmm. And like is convincing in a way that we don't see for large chunks of Star Trek. No, it's a great episode. Yeah. Bailey, actually watch this one, okay? (laughs) Yeah, you'll like it. Hey, listeners. Which is a title I bestow on you because you are, after all, still listening to me speak. If you like us, like Star Trek, like the show, or any combination of the three, do us a favor and subscribe to and rate us on iTunes so that other people can like us too. You can also tweet about us or tumble about us or whatever verb word that describes the social media platform of your choice. If it helps, we both like and appreciate you.